It's Ten Times the Terror. Hello and welcome to Ten Times the Terror. I'm not okay. Hello, 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 and welcome to Ten Times the Terror. I'm Jamie. <laughs> I'm Gwen. And I'm Paul. And on today, we are getting into the mystery genre. You know, on this podcast, we talk a lot about horror movies, we talk a lot about science fiction, and we talk about mystery. And our very own fearless leader, Pops Paul Leggett, is a big mystery fan. And we're going to talk specifically about uh, Knives Out and Glass Onion, two movies that I really enjoy, as well as some of the other kind of mystery movies that are popular now, including the recent Murder on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile. Kind of talk about these movies broadly and also kind of go into maybe the state of mystery movies and kind of like where we see this and kind of let it go from there. Um, but so I guess we'll start kind of with Knives Out, which is, again, a movie from a couple years ago directed by Ryan Johnson, who I really like. Um, and then also kind of Glass Onion, which just came out this past year, currently on Netflix. Both Ryan Johnson movies, both murder mysteries. And and what I what I love about this, and I want to you know pivot over to you, Dad, but what I love about both these movies is I feel like the mystery, and obviously Ryan Johnson clearly knows mysteries, knows Agatha Christie, clearly a fan of this genre of movies, and loves to kind of like, I think, play with the conventions. But one thing I've noticed with both movies, and we can kind of talk about them specifically as well as like the Agatha Christie movies, but one thing I noticed, Dad, is I know you've mentioned on this very podcast that the for you, like a mystery is always about like who did it, and then like a horror movie is how they did it. And what I noticed with both Knives Out and Glass Onion, to me, even though they are mysteries, it is, to me, much more about how did they do it versus who did it. Because, again, we'll talk very spoiler-heavy, so if you haven't seen the movies, come back later. But in both Glass Onion and Knives Out, the the person behind it all is actually the most obvious person, and it's more about like how we get there. And so I'm wondering if you saw it that way, and kind of what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think that that's definitely the case, that... Uh... Uh, these 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 kind of things can overlap. Uh, the most famous mystery novel of Agatha Christie is um, this is all this is spoiler alert. I mean, so I'm, you can't talk about Agatha Christie without talking about how things end up. But uh, the most famous one is uh, the murder of Roger Ackroyd, where the um, uh, the murderer is the narrator of the story. And, you know, and conveniently just omits the part of the story where he murders the victim. Uh, <laughs> and um, so that that's a case where, uh, yeah, definitely the, uh, the, the who done it. But the how how you did it is in there, too. The idea is how how does somebody who's like the Dr. Watson figure uh, tell you about the case and not reveal the fact that he is the murderer? Conveniently left that out. <laughs> Conveniently left that out, yeah. But I mean, but that's uh, that revolutionized the detective story because it it kind of went into something that was considered unbound. You know, you you had to always have the idea that the, the uh, kind of a Holmes Watson relationship, and then when you got in like a Sam Spade, uh, he's not the most noble character, but he's you know he's he's an interesting character, and same same with Philip Marlowe and stuff. But anyway, go back to, to the um, Glass onion thing. Um, yeah, I, I, but I think the first one is full of a lot of, a lot of the whodunit stuff. And uh, also what I think it has there that is not so much in the uh, Agatha Christie things, which are usually dealing with upper crust 
uh, English people who are, you know, get killed in the in the library of a big manor or a big estate. But um, what you have here is, I think, definitely a class conscious issue uh, with the, you know, the servant, the girl who ends up controlling everything. So that's a dimension that goes beyond, I think, the Agatha Christie sources, which by themselves are wonderful. I mentioned Murder on the Orient Express and um, uh, Death of the Nile and, and, and you know, ABC murders. Agatha Christie really is, uh, or just, you know, sheer number of, of novels with twists in them is, is uh, one of the all-time greats, no question asked. And I, th- I think... Uh, you know, uh, the Glass Onion movies uh, are definitely a, a you mentioned the name, an homage. Uh, but even they've even got touches of the Hammer films, the way the, way the, uh, the big uh, sort of scary looking um, manor houses are, uh, you know, somewhere between Castle Dracula and Baskerville Hall. The, the Sherlock Holmes revival going into the, this part of the um, 21st century uh, has me a little perplexed. Uh, there's more Sherlock Holmes novels being written today than ever, characters in public domain. And as more and more stories go into public domain, uh, they'll add into the larger mix. Um, I think uh, uh, the most recent Holmes thing has been um, Holmes's uh, sister, and where Henry Cavill is playing Holmes. So that may be the next thing. Sherlock Holmes is the most filmed character in all of um, uh, visual, you know, visual dramatic history uh, in terms of films, films and TV. So uh, we had two films with Robert Downey Jr. And they, they announced another sequel, uh, Sherlock Holmes 3, but we never heard what happened to that. But in the meantime, again, Henry Cavill. Uh, and at the end of that last episode, he's meeting Dr. Watson, who's going to come in and share his room with him. So, I, I mean, let me go back to this, that mystery films and detective films are related but not identical. And uh, the figure of the detective can suddenly be very important. And as interesting as the plots are in Agatha Christie, it's her, her characters uh, are very important. Hercule Poirot, uh, Miss Marple. Tom and Timmy uh, Tuppence, whatever their names are, I forget, kind of minor characters. But but and that's definitely the case in those films that um, the the detective is is as much a point of interest as is the the murder or the problem that's trying to be solved. And with these Knives Out movies, we now have Benoit Blanc. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Well, and also going back to what you were mentioning before about the one where the narrator is the one killing. I think that clearly that clearly segues to the kind of convention of having the unreliable narrator when the story you're being told is not completely accurate. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, it, I think that with all these mysteries, yeah, having this kind of colorful cast of characters is crucial, but you're right. Having the detective, that's sort of like the, the connective tissue of each movie really, really also cements your, your kind of interest. Um, I know you both saw the recent Death on the Nile. I have not seen it, but do you guys want to talk about that and maybe how you felt about that movie? Yeah, it's. It, it, I recall. I mean, it's it's slow moving, and that's one of the problems with with mysteries where you ha- you have to deal with clues and evidence and steps along the way. It can get kind of bogged down in detail. And I think uh, while that was, it's visually a very impressive film, 
Hope had a fun cast. Is now Albert Finney as Hercule Poirot? I'm trying to get some of these confused. Uh, so. Isn't it Kenneth Branagh? Yeah, all right, Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, right, right. In the most uh, recent ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was just saying, uh, McAway's was Albert Finney was, um, I think, maybe even an earlier murder on the Orient Express. There have been several of those. And then, you know, there's these other ones, like Witness for the Prosecution, uh, also, and then there were none. Those were made into very successful plays. The most successful play with Agatha Christie and the ultimate in uh, Can You Believe This is uh, The Mousetrap, which is, I think, the longest running play on the West End of London. And in The Mousetrap, you know, huge spoiler alert, in The Mousetrap, it's the detective who's the murderer. Yeah, that it's just funny. seems... Yeah, but like with Death on a Nile, it was fine. I mean, I didn't find the the kind of twist reveal too crazy. It, it was it like Dad said, it was slow moving. You have all these suspects, but it wasn't as riveting as I wanted it to be. And plus, I mainly watched it to watch Gal Gadot, and she got killed like right away. So yeah, that right. was kind <laughs> of a down a downer for me. But um, I mean, it's like it was okay. It's like you think yeah, it's okay, it's fine. But then like after watching like the last episode of season two of the white lotus you're like oh well no that was actually not that good compared to what <laughs> to what it could be <laughs> definitely well i think again i haven't seen that but i think that also speaks to why i personally at least like the knives out movies because they are just so fun to watch and and they're also again i think why to me it's more about like the way we get there versus the actual like whodunit part is they are very rewatchable which is not something yeah. you might mm-hmm. think of as like mysteries because once you know what happens you know what happens but i think, I think they oh sorry go ahead no just like the way the way the movies kind of unfold and the way they're structured i think makes them so entertaining i think that but i also think they're much better at developing interesting characters like all these mysteries try to de- like give us these elaborate different characters that are supposed to be really interesting and unique but like especially with death on the nile like they just feel very one-dimensional whereas the knives out series all the characters are super riveting and interesting and i think that helps drive the like appeal of watching it definitely and and as dad kind of mentioned like with knives out the first one you have this whole kind of class structure i what i love so much about it is like in the kind of initial half of the movie when you know when um when Anadarmus is kind of brought back to the house after the death and everyone's being so like oh we wanted to invite you to the to the funeral but I got outvoted or whatever they're all being so kind of like coy with her and everything but then as soon as we get the reveal that like the entire estate is being left to Marta they all turn like a flip of switch like oh you bitch how dare you and the ones like were you were you boinking my father it's like they all turn so fast as soon <laughs> it's as so funny. as soon as their inheritance <laughs> is taken away from them yeah it uh, and okay the real test too is is do these films uh, uh do they really trick us i mean if you can figure them out you know uh but it's like a game you're invited to play. You know, can you figure out who's the murderer? And um, you know, it used to always be the you know the, the most seemingly unlikely character. You know, but uh, in the second one, I thought they did a really good job of, of fooling us as to the, you know that the woman there is is been set up by Daniel Craig, hide you know masquerading as one of the guests, and she's really not. She's uh, working with Daniel Craig to kind of unravel. The, the, the mystery that that really I thought was very effective. And, uh, you know, that's part of the name of the game when you can figure out what's going on and not figure out. 
Well, especially with both Knives Out and Glass Onion, you have the kind of, the framework is sort of like with Detective Benoit Blanc. It's like, in the first one, it's kind of like, who hired me? And like, same thing with the second one. It's like, well, was I supposed to be invited? So it's kind of like, at first you're like, is there actually a mystery yet? And then as soon as things ramp up, it's like, oh no, he clearly was meant to be here. And then like, yeah, I think and I think the way things unravel is very fun. Yeah. It's, um. Uh, do we ever talk to you guys about uh, Agatha Christie's view of Sherlock Holmes? No. Okay. Uh, it, uh, it, she, it, it's in a, I forget what, what novel it's in, um, but it's Hercule Poirot. And he's, they're in a library, takes out the adventures of Sherlock Holmes and says, and, and he says, you know, uh, these, um, uh, these mysteries aren't, aren't so, so obscure or they're, they're just unclear or there's all kinds of questions about how they happen or, you know, you got the redheaded league, which is a great story, but how is it that the, um, it happens to be that the, not only the, 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 the pawn shop owner, but, uh, the uh, the uh, one of the criminals involved in this ha- all happen to have red hair. I mean, there's, there's all these, and and he, anyway, he goes through the fact that so much of this is contrived and it just happens to work out in a certain way. And then he says, "But that's all irrelevant because the writing is so superb, and the characters of Holmes and Watson uh, carry the whole thing." I mean, the truth is. With all of you know, all of the great Holmes movies, with the exception of The Hound of the Baskers, has got much more of a nar- narrative structure. But in, in in so many of them, you know, if you were asked to to summarize the uh, the mystery, uh, a lot of times you couldn't do it, you know. And and on the, all those films that were made, but um, especially with Basil Rathbone and Roger Bruce, but you know, those films are popular not because of the um, storyline, but because of Holmes and Watson. And I think that that's another point that Christie picked up, that having a, a, having a, a, a detailed kind of uh, problem to be solved uh, is not sufficient. You've got to care about the person who's solving the mystery rather than not just what the solution is. It's like a crossword puzzle. It isn't just the, the, um, the, the, the knights and the queens and so forth. It's also who's playing. That makes sense, and I think that's, yeah, that's definitely. Uh, uh, you know that was sort of um, Agatha Christie's argument. She says, "Yes, yeah, she says, but you know, the writing is superb." And um, but again, then you know, a lot depends on how well the movies are. But uh, it's not not the plot that's driving or the you know the mystery thing. I mean, if, uh, if you were asked, what's the um, you know uh, you have okay Sherlock Holmes and the secret weapon. Okay, well, you know, obviously a secret weapon is part of the story, but that's not what you're going to come away from. You're going to come away with Holmes and Watson and a World War II setting, you know, and the propaganda, all that other kind of stuff is what you're going to remember. Uh, you can remember Mariotti draining Holmes's blood out drop by drop, you know. That's a lot more, uh, uh, a lot more crucial than, than the so-called secret weapon. Right, well, and I think but, to but, that... But Hitchcock calls them a guffin, you know, the, the thing that everybody's trying to get a hold of, you know, the. Yeah. And I think to that, like part of the fun is seeing the detective with all the clues kind of like finally piece it all together and, and explain it all. And that's what I thought was such a fun sort of turn on that in the end of Glass Onion, where when Benoit Blanc's figured out, he's like, it's actually really simple and really dumb. And then when he's kind of like, 
unraveling, you know, um, Edward Norton's like sort of uh, sort of plan, they're like, oh, wow. He's like, no, it's really stupid, actually. <laughs> it's kind of like <laughs> yeah, it's right. like it's really not that clever. <laughs> but it is it, it is interesting. That, yeah, Agatha Christie said that. And then also that, yeah, with between both this Knives Out series and the and the Death on the Niles, like there is this clear between, you know, uh, Ryan Johnson and Kenneth Branagh, they have this clear reverence for Agatha Christie and are are kind of keeping these these stories alive. Yeah, and rightly so, because but they are, um, uh, you know, you're as you're you're. I think you're always more intrigued. I was never a big Miss Marple fan, but the fact is, you're more intrigued by the detective than you are by the mystery. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it looks like it looks like um, the sequel to Death on the Nile, A Haunting in Venice, is due to come out this September. Ooh, okay. Oh, and they're I'm on a pr- roll with those. They are, yeah. And I'm pretty sure Knives Out Three is already in production. Oh I yeah, see, I heard about I, that. I did see somewhere pops for for poor Sherlock Holmes. I think the director mentioned that for Sherlock Holmes three, it's kind of like all depending on Robert Downey Jr. at this point. So I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but we'll see, I guess. Okay. I mean, those were great films too. I hope they make another one. Well, they've got Henry Cavill, so um, who also played Superman, of course, right? And uh, they may move him into uh, being the next. Yeah, not anymore. He's not playing Superman anymore. <laughs> So, no, I know, but yeah. I, I, oh, geez. <laughs> uh, that's a whole another episode. But, but no, you're I, right too that with the with the is it Enola Holmes the sister? Yeah, Enola yeah, Holmes. yeah. yeah so, I like those. Yeah, but even then, they're still keeping the 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 property alive. Yeah, I mean, there, there's uh, there may be more of her stuff coming out too. They were pretty elaborate productions. They really set up the whole Victorian England kind of uh, setting, you know. So they really do them as period pieces. Which generally has not been the case with Sherlock Holmes. Do you know offhand is is the Benedict Cumberbatch series over with? It seems to be. That's a good question. But yeah, it seems to be. But uh, and I I think kind of like the uh, um, Jeremy Brett, they they overdid it. You know, it got to be too elaborate and too com- too confusing. You know, um, the, some of the hour long ones that. Uh, Jeremy Brett did like the a Noble Bachelor or something like that. Uh, it just uh, and even the, uh, the the Sussex Vampire one uh, were j- just uh, too con- too convo- convoluted. And um, I don't think that was the case with um, Robert Downey Jr. But with the Benedict Cumberbatch ones, the last couple were um, were they. Finding Holmes is, I guess, it's a, this is his sister again, a different character than Enola. Uh, but uh, the last couple were straining, I think, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, Benedict Cumberbatch went over to do Doctor Strange at that point. Well, I feel like whether it's Robert Downey Jr. or or Henry Cavill, like somebody's going to eventually get back out of the Holmes role again. Like all these yeah. ones, they keep it going. Yeah, again, he's the most popular character in film history, so that's not going to change. You know, you know, winning the winning the Pooh becoming public uh, domain, you know, becoming this <laughs> slasher kind of figure. Give me a oh, break. which blood I feel like that needs to be. Yeah, we need to talk about Blood and Honey at some point. I need to see it. Yeah, could be yeah, the greatest film ever made. If you know, depending on who you're asking, could be the greatest <laughs> film ever made, or the worst film ever made. Oh, please. So the perfect way to adapt Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> but uh, as I'm saying, as uh, because with the um, copyright on the home stuff, is there's a distinction between the copyright on the character 
and a copyright on the stories. And uh, I think it's got to be 90 years uh, from the source to have it become public domain. So the home stories were written over a 40 year period. So you just have to wait out, uh, wait, you know, until the next one's going to become become uh, public domain. Then you can start filming those. Even and even like the elementary one that was on TV, they they had something about the rights from the Conan Doyle estate. Uh, so those those have always been guarded very carefully. So, but you know they're they're all. Um, uh, I think uh, actually I think 2017 is probably getting close to would have been getting close to the the, the end point there. So, but some of them were renewed. And anyway, it's, it's complicated. You know the copyrights get to be kind of a, a maze but uh, yeah you're right somebody's going to come up with another home thing because it just it's just it's just going to be inevitable sooner or later and it, and it is exciting that with going back to knives out that this is an, an original detective that is essentially just created for film it's not based on any kind of literary source right yeah yeah it is uh, uh sort of a southern gothic you know kind of a thing i hope daniel craig plays this character for at least 10 more movies yeah, I think it's so much fun. <laughs> graduate from James Bond to this. Sure. Um, okay, well, I think that wraps up today's episode on mystery. Uh, uh, certainly a fun genre to get into. Um, okay, well, I think that's today's episode of 10 Times of Terror. Again, I'm James. And I'm Paul. And I'm Gwen. And the game's afoot. See you guys next time. Thank you for listening to It's 10 Times the Terror. The podcast. One of my favorite films ever. let's do that for you thank you for listening to 10 times the terror this podcast would not be possible without listeners like you you can find out more about our podcast by visiting our website 10 times the terror.com that's 10 x the terror.com